All right, this morning we're back in the Ten Commandments. We're looking at Exodus 20, verse 15, the Eighth Commandment, uh, which is the simplest one in the list. You shall not steal. That's easy, right? Uh, we got that one. It's easy to know, easy to memorize. Let's go through our list real quick before um, that we've memorized before I get into them. Uh, let's say them together. Number one, have no other gods before me. Number two, make no... Three, speak well of God and for God. Four, keep the Sabbath day special. Five, honor father and mother. Six, commit no murder. Seven, commit no adultery. Eight, commit no stealing. Nine, tell no lies against our neighbor. And ten, do not covet. Great job. This morning we're looking at number eight, to commit no stealing. Reminded me of a, it's Christmas time, a lot of times the Norman Rockwell pictures come out Thanksgiving, Christmas time. I saw a, a one of the Norman Rockwell classic uh, pieces where uh, a lady is in a butcher store buying her Thanksgiving turkey, and the butcher is it's a per pound purchase, you know, so he, he takes the turkey she thinks she wants, sits it on the scale, and Norman Rockwell gives us kind of a side view painting. And you see this very well-to-do, um, dainty kind of lady on her side, just smiling and grinning like nothing's up. But it's like there's a little secret. And he shows us that she's got her finger pulling the scales up, you know. On the other side, the butcher's got his thumb pushing the scale down. And it's just a fun-looking little picture that they're both smiling, wondering what it's going to weigh, you know. And... Neither one can see what the other is doing. And I got to thinking, I said, and I bet neither one would consider themselves a thief. I mean, they've never robbed a bank. They've never stolen a car. But each of them are trying to tip the scales their way and take advantage of the other. And that's stealing. That's what it is. How many of us say, you know, there's been times I've tried to tip the scales my way. I didn't rob the bank and I didn't steal the car, but yeah. And that's where this command comes in. That we are at times stealing, taking stuff from others. Three ways typically we steal. You either take something that belongs to another or you keep something you are supposed to give to another, or you overcharge for something that you're, you're giving to another. So I want us to look at those three ways of very common stealing that occurs. It's not on the big scale level. That's not typically where we are. But we do need this commandment just as we need the others. All right, if you take something that belongs to another person... That's stealing. So to get us into that whole area, I want us to think about a command we spent a lot of time on. Fourth commandment. Fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath day special. Now, you remember a verse that I shared many times, Mark chapter 2. Who owns the Sabbath? Who is Lord of the Sabbath? Jesus, God, thank you. I had at least one person who heard that sermon. All right. 
Jesus, Mark chapter 2, Lord of the Sabbath. God gave Jesus the Sabbath day. And He made Him Lord, not just Lord of heaven and earth, but He is specifically told He owns the Sabbath day, that the Sabbath day is His day. It's special to Him. And He brought that up on occasions when the Pharisees wanted to say, you're a Sabbath breaker. Uh, you remember who's in charge here, right? The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath day. Now, do we keep it special? If it's God's day, do you ever take God's day? Do you ever take it? Do you ever steal it? For, do you ever tip it so it's, it's special for you? And rob God of the specialness he had in mind for him. Quick illustration of this. You know, when it's your birthday, do you expect certain things to happen on your birthday? I don't know what your traditions are. You know, do you get a special meal? Do you get a special placemat? You get special love, special dispensation of some sort. And if you don't get it, you start sulking a little bit at the end of the day. And somebody says, what's wrong? Well, it's my day. It's my day. And I, I expected X, Y, Z. It was my day. And you didn't get it. Jesus says the Sunday is his day. And that's what we mean by let's keep it special is His. If, if you rob God from the specialness that He has intended for this day, you're a thief. You're taking from Him something He's already set aside as His. And sometimes we don't think about that. We apply it to ourselves in other ways. But we're literally robbing God of special time. I stand in awe that we have a God who wants to have time with us. He wants to have time with us. And he says, I set it aside every week. I start my week with you. And for us to say, but that's not special. And I want to do something else. See, we, we don't think about it perhaps in the right terms. It's a special day and we're stealing special time from God. Second, Think about not only do we steal time from God, we steal property from God. We steal, we steal the tithe. Look at Malachi 3. I haven't used this verse in a while. Just remember, this is the language God puts it in. Malachi chapter 3, last book of the Old Testament. He says, verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You would think, is it even possible to rob God? He owns everything, and he says, and he says, yet you are. You're robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? His response, in your tithes and contributions. You're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows 
of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. God says, by taking the tithe, my portion, you're not going to be worse off. So I'm going to open windows of heaven. I'm going to, I'm going to fill you with abundance. Your mindset is that, it, well, I need that. That's, I need that portion to be my portion. And God says, no, a tithe, 10% of what he has given to us is holy, which means it's set apart, it's sacred, it's his special portion that he uses to finance his kingdom, his church. But he gives us, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. He gives us 10, 10 out of 10%. He says, now I just want you to give one-tenth back. And he said, well, you know, I, I, I typically want to do that, God, but not this week or not this month. Not this year. I need to catch up on some things. And God says, you're robbing me. He said, how? You know, the, the passages speak so plainly. It's hard, hard to miss it. But you know, you see people in the news every week that are going to jail because they didn't pay their taxes. Our government has a portion of our money, right? Of, of our work. This portion, they say, this is, this is what you pay to your nation. You know, as an employer here, we say, we've got to factor in 15.3%, you know, 7.65% of each person's wages. It totals up to 15.3% that we give to the government. That's their portion. And if we don't give that 15.3%, what happens? They come after us. And at some point, if we don't pay up, we go to jail. And we say, well, that's too much. God's amount is even less than that. 10%. He says, it's my portion that I've asked you to set aside for me and to give. So we know that it is robbery. We want to suppress that truth. And we want to use it for ourselves. And that's stealing. So we can take time from God, we could take tithes from God. They're His. We can take from other people as well. Look at Leviticus chapter 19 verse 13. Leviticus 19 13 says, You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Always, you know, my grandson's wonderfully have moved beside me and now they cut my grass and they rake my leaves and it's just I mean it's a wonderful gig if you can get it I got it but as I pay them for cutting the grass and raking moving the leaves I often think of this verse in Leviticus saying they did it while I was at work I come home the grass is cut the leaves are up and I said I owe them I immediately owe them because I promised them for what they do, that I will pay them. And I think, I can't let a night go by. I'm, you know, I'm rushing over there. I want to make sure they get paid. And they're saying, oh, you could have given it to us next week. Well, as long as we have that understanding, that's okay. But I, I don't want you to think that I take it for granted, because now it's your property. And when it's your property, for me to hold on to it, even for a night, God says, that's robbing. That's stealing. It's due. 
That was the contract. That was the understanding that we don't oppress our neighbor and we don't say, oh, well, they've got enough. Let's redistribute it to those who do. That's socialism. No, the private property command works against the whole socialist mindset that people are entitled to property. And it's not to be taken from them. It's not to be stolen from them. It's theirs for their use. And sometimes we forget that. You know, it's it's sad that one of the the biggest industries in America right now is the anti-theft industry. Anti-theft. You fear, I fear, somebody's going to steal my identity. Somebody's going to steal my property online. And not only are they going to steal it, they're going to leave me worse off. And so countless amounts of money go into anti-theft. Can we put in the cameras? Can we put in the alarms? Can we put in the alerts? And we're doing all of this, spending millions and millions of dollars because we know we live among people who rob, who steal from you. We steal from one another. God says, you shall not steal. We steal by downloading improperly, by plagiarizing, by cheating. We steal by taking stuff. We think, oh, well, they can afford it. Take the uh, Bibles we have in our bookstore right out there in the lobby. Every year we have a certain number. They're just gone. I don't know where they're gone. Somebody took them. Now, we as a church, we want you to have a nice Bible. This Bible right here, the church gave me. We gave almost everybody in the room a Bible. We've got Bibles out there on that welcome table, just like this one. You can have for free. We bought them to give away. We're not trying to to keep them. We want to give them. And then we have that little bookstore area where there's books we've bought and We have to resell at the cost they came to us so that we don't lose money. And people will go up there and just take. Again, I want you to have them. But I don't want you to do it as a thief. There's integrity involved in certain things. You don't have a right to other people's property. When we do that, we steal from one another here. Since we're all owners. Those who are members of the church and we've got to be respectful of private property that's what God's calling us to in the 8th commandment Um, taking not only can we take property we can take people sadly that's a problem in our land as well Exodus 21 Exodus 21 verse 16 says whoever steals a man and sells him, or anyone found in possession of him, shall be put to death. That takes the Eighth Commandment to a whole nother level. I may say something about this later, but the first eight commandments, well, actually, the first seven commandments are capital offenses. The Eighth Commandment is not until you steal a person. Then it jumps to a capital offense as well. Stealing people possessing people, making people slaves that should not be enslaved, trafficking people. That's happening across our land. God says, remember, 
I've given a certain autonomy to individuals and to them a right to possess property. And it's not our uh, freedom to go and take that against their will. Um, so we can take. That's stealing. Second, we can keep. Also stealing. So when keeping what someone else has, <coughs> a right to keep. Uh, keeping information other people need is also stealing. Uh, Leviticus 19, 35 and 36 says this. You shall do no wrong in judgment in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, and just ephah, and a just hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The indication there is uh, don't secretly change the values of things. To take advantage of people so that you can keep more, make more profit. There should be known values, weights and measures that everybody knows and agrees on. And you're not keeping information. In other words, playing on someone's ignorance that doesn't know you've changed the system. Um, taking advantage of them. There's information like that at times that we steal from our government by... The, the, the way we do our taxes, the way we reinterpret terms and uh, value certain things so that we can tip the scales our direction. Uh, we keep information other people need, keeping what other people pay for us. Look at Ephesians 6, 5 through 7. Ephesians 6. 5 through 7 says, You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral... Wait, I'm in chapter 5. Chapter 6, 5 through 7, here we go. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with goodwill as to the Lord. So we can cheat people out of time, just as we can cheat God out of time. We cannot work a whole day's wage when we have promised to work a whole day's wage. Fortune magazine put out a um, survey recently saying about American workers. The average American worker is supposed to work or kind of contracts to work, a 40-hour week. Said the average American worker is only working 23 hours. 23 out of 40. Meaning three days work instead of five days work. That's the average in America right now. Now we know there are people who work their 40 hours. There's whole industries like UPS, FedEx. They have a reputation for working hard and putting in all their hours and getting all their packages to us. We know there are people that break the curve. But it says on a whole, there are a lot of people who are thieves. They don't even think anything of it. They're being paid for 40 and they're only working 23. That's theft. 
And again, it's, it's a command we don't think about that much. So we can keep what others pay us for. Time, work. Number three, we can keep money that we contractually owe as well. Um, I already shared that verse, Leviticus uh, uh, 19, 13. That don't keep the money back. Pay on time. What we agree. Uh, that comes to a credit card balance. If we've agreed to pay, we pay. Car loan, house loan, whatever the contract. We need to pay what we owe. We need to not make the deal if we're not going to pay. A deal's a deal. Otherwise, we need to be uh, renegotiating because we're stealing until that is done. All right, well, let's just move to a whole other category, and that's the category of overcharging. Um, they're desperate people that uh, charge undue amounts of interest. They overcharge, and they intentionally overcharge, and they want uh, to overcharge. Nehemiah chapter 5, 7 through 11, it's one of the uh, commands Nehemiah had to get on to the people of God for when he when they come back to Jerusalem, he says there's just uh, way too much overcharging going on here. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 7 says, he says, I took counsel with myself, and I, I you know, he couldn't, like he couldn't find anybody to talk to about this issue. He says, I took counsel with myself. I brought charges against the nobles and the officials, and I said to them, you're exacting interest each from his brother, and I held a great assembly against them, and I said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought, bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. But you even sell your, your brothers, uh, that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing that you're doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, their houses, their percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. So there's a time where we can just wrongly be overcharging. We've got to look at that and see how God's blessed us Make sure we're not overcharging others. Uh, there was a, a lady in our church once that uh, worked for one of those uh, check-in-to-cash um, uh, businesses where you turn in your check and they give you immediate cash. Uh, so since I had first-hand relationship with her, I asked her, I said, tell me how, how this works. I said, I've never used one of these kind of places. Uh, if I bring you a check... And you uh, and I turn it over to you. You're going to immediately give me cash. I said, "How much interest are you going to charge me?" She said, "What are you asking?" I said, "I want the details. I, I, I want to know my first month. If I don't pay my first month, how much interest will you charge me if I don't keep up and make the balance?" She said, uh, "About 60, 62 percent." And I said. You serious? She said, yeah. She said, we, we typically lose so much money. We, we charge the high interest so that we get it as much as, as possible, everything back in the first three months. Because after that, people leave us. And we have to track them down. They don't have enough money for us to go after them. I said, I kind of understand how this gig works. But I said, you don't consider that 
excessive uh, interest, even though I understand what you're trying to do? Do you tell people that up front? Do you tell them that you're about to overcharge them? And you're going to overcharge them in a huge way that they could walk down the street to another lending institution and get this for a whole lot less. You know, I don't know where you are in the scheme of things, but there's times where we just think, well, I can because they're desperate. I can because they're poor. I can because they're ignorant. They just don't know better. God is saying, don't. That's stealing. That's robbing. That's taking advantage. That's contrary to the Eighth Commandment. He wants us to be men, women of integrity, taking the property He's given us and using it as stewards, um, but not just accumulating it by stealing from others. Why does this matter? Why, why does stealing occur? What can be done to avoid it? As I thought about the next category, just why stealing occurs... It, it, it occurs, number one, because we sometimes neglect the private property uh, stewardship principle. Uh, we, we tend to think that uh, we should just all have everything in common. After all, wasn't that what the New Testament church says in Acts chapter 2? says they held everything in common. If anybody had a need, they, they took care of one another's needs and they held all things in common. Well, we sometimes take that phrase to an extreme and say all things in common mean what's yours is mine and what mine is yours and we just we share it. That's not what it means. That's Acts 2. They hold all things in common, but by the time you get to Acts 5, you have that famous story of Ananias and Sapphira. They sell property and they give property to the church. And why do they die? Because... They say they gave all. They didn't give all. And the apostle says, you're, you're lying. You're breaking not only the eighth commandment, you're breaking uh, the ninth commandment. You're lying against your neighbor. You're lying against the Holy Spirit. And because you're lying against the Holy Spirit, you will now die and they die. But my point is, Acts 5, they still own, possess, have use of private property. It wasn't... So anybody could buy it and sell it and do whatever they wanted with it. It was still theirs. And the apostle said, you didn't have to give it. But you gave it in such a way you lied about how much you were giving. Trying to make us think you gave it all when you didn't give it all. You kept some, you gave some. You should have just said that. It was your property. You didn't have to give it. You didn't have to sell it. We need to think through uh, this whole idea of private property because um, we're in a, a time where our land's kind of moving in a socialistic kind of way that we should just hold everything in common. That we should just all have a fair share. And that's not the way God gives it. God gives to you a certain amount. He gives to me a certain amount. And we're supposed to both be stewards over the property God's given us. And to think through it from that perspective as opposed to, as, instead of a socialistic kind of perspective. Number two, we neglect property stewardship. We fail to understand providence. And that's where I was going. The whole providence. Uh, uh, look at James chapter 1. It's kind of a providence verse. James 1 verse 17 
It says, every good gift, I quoted this earlier, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. God doesn't uh, give out what He gives out in a wishy-washy, flimsy fashion. Everything we have has been specifically designed for us, given to us by our God. Do we trust God's providence? If He's given you more than me, do I trust that? It's because He's got a different plan for you. You need more than me. Has He given me more than you? Again, do I trust God's providence? We all have different stations in life. We're all responsible to God. We've been given what we've been given by God. He says, to whom much is given, much is required. We're accountable to rightfully use what He has given us, not what He's given someone else. We need to understand God's providence to understand that we don't go stealing. When I, when I want to take something from you, I'm saying, God, I don't believe you gave me enough. See, I'm not trusting God's providence. You didn't give me enough, so I've got to have some of theirs. I've got to take it somehow. Or I've got to keep you from getting more of mine, which you're entitled to, and that's another way that I take. Again, not trusting God's providence. What God intended for me um, is how we rationalize and get into being thieves. Number three, because we're just plain covetous. We're covetous. Satan tempts us to want things. How about Judas Iscariot? Satan tempts us to want things. Did Judas want 30 pieces of silver to betray Christ? Once he gets it, it's like, oh, I'm not sure it was worth it. He's ready to throw it away. There's, there's times where we want things. Um, we covet stuff. We just want a little bit more. Um, Biblical restitution, we don't talk about it much. You know, as you look through prison reform and look in the scriptures for that whole concept, you don't find much of prison in scripture. You have capital offenses. You break the law, you kill them. Unless it wasn't a capital offense. If it wasn't a capital offense, then they made restitution. Zacchaeus is a great example of restitution. He understood the Old Testament law. When Zacchaeus comes to know Christ, you know, he's the, the wee little man up in the sycamore tree. Jesus says, I'm going to go to your house today. And Jesus is in Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus repents of his sins. And when he repents of his sins, he says, and I, part of my repentance, my deeds of repentance is I will pay back. I've been a thief all my life. I'm a tax collector. That's what tax collectors do. We're good at stealing. And I've, I've become very wealthy at stealing from other people. My deeds of repentance then should be to restore, to make restitution to the people I've stolen from. He says, to every single person I have stolen from, I will give back four times the amount. That was Old Testament law. To make restitution. I have harmed that person by taking from them. They did not have the opportunity to be good stewards, maybe for years, because I've been using their money. And so the only right way to deal with them now is to give back what I stole plus four times. And Zacchaeus spent his days making restitution. Our covetousness keeps us 
from that. We want, we want, and we want. And we have to say to God, the, the offense is serious. Do I really want to pay that person four times as much once I'm caught? Or do I want to just kill the covetousness right now? Trust the providence of God. I don't need more than what God has given me. Be content with the lot he's given you in life. That means the house he's given you, the car he's given you, the job he's given you, the marriage he's given you, the community he's given you. Why weren't we born in the bush in Africa? We weren't. We could have been. We have been given such a wealthy place to be plopped down. And to be content with that should be easy. We wonder at times why others um, are so content and they have so so much less than we do. Well, fourth, another reason why stealing so easily occurs is because we're just tempted to be lazy. Um, we've bought the mindset, I don't know, culture's given it to us, Satan's has tempted us with it, that work is a necessary evil. Work is not a necessary evil. The fourth commandment tells us work six days and on this Sabbath day rest. Spend it with God. It's a special day. But work six days. Work was not given as a command because you sinned. Adam and Eve worked the garden before sin. Work is not a necessary evil. What came with the curse was thorns and thistles and pain with work. The work was already there. Now work is hard. It's painful. It's cursed. The work is cursed. But the work itself is not evil. And we, we've got to raise up a generation, the next generation of people understand work is not evil. We should be workers. And hiring Christians, you should be hiring the best of workers. We, we've got to rehabilitate our kids with work, it's, it's just our, our, our system, like the prison system for delinquent kids, is so messed up. When you, when you think about these detention centers that take kids because they've done something horrendous, how do we rehabilitate? We build ball fields, basketball courts, and the rehabilitation is recreation. Instead of work. work. Work is the right response to being a thief. It's, it's, it's not a necessary evil. It, it, it's, it's the way we should live as workers. Um, and we work before we, we, uh, we do other things. Uh, we, we see that as part of God's design for us. And it keeps us from stealing. Um, it's so easy to steal let me just leave you with one final verse, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, just to show the seriousness of, of this sin. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, um, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So he's, he's fixing to give us a list of people not going to heaven. Okay? He says, Unrighteous people, these are people who are not going to heaven. So don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers. And we would say, yeah, well, I get that. Uh, nor men who practice homosexuality get that. Nor thieves. That's our command this morning. 
Thieves don't go to heaven. Interesting survey. Only 9% of Christians in churches in America right now say they have ever broken the 8th commandment. Only 9% of us. 91% of us think, 8th commandment, got that, check, I don't break that one. I'm not a thief. I don't steal. I don't keep anything. I don't covet anything. I don't want any of your stuff. I just want to be a steward of my stuff. I think Satan's got us fooled. I think there's a lot more of us like me that have stolen, that have kept back, that have coveted and, 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 and taken for myself. And we've got to come clean. We've, we've, we've got to say, God, I trust you with property. I've been treated so special by you that you've given me personal property to steward. And God says, and I'm coming back to those I've given ten times. I want to see what they've done with ten times. To those I've given five times, I want to see what they've done with five. To those I've only given one little piece of something, I want to see if you're found faithful, a steward of that property. It's all about not the amounts that we accumulate, but our faithfulness to steward what God has given us. Have, have we directed our property back to God and been faithful stewards, or do we need to repent? I think, I know I'm in that category, Lord, I need to repent. Because there's times I'm, I'm, I'm working to steal instead of just working to be a faithful and working to be a steward of what you've given so let's take the time to repent. And as we come to the Lord's table this morning, I want us to think about our God as a giver. As I thought about the Lord's table this morning in light of the, the Eighth Commandment, God doesn't invite us to worship Him on Sundays and ever consume from us. He's not a consumer. He doesn't take. He wants you and me to bring our tithes and offerings, Yes. But he's already given them to us. And we just return them. He's not stealing them. And he says, and I open the windows of heaven when I see this happening. He says, I open the windows of heaven and I give you more than you had before. God doesn't come to worship to be a consumer. He comes giving to us. He doesn't require of us sacrificial anymore offerings. We don't have to bring a goat or lamb, a dove or something to have sacrifice to see the blood cover us and our sins. Christ provides the sacrifice. The only altar in the church now is the altar Christ is on. He gave his own body, his own blood. Again, he doesn't require that from us. Our God's not a thief. He's just a giver. And so as you come to the table this morning saying, God, you give everything I need I'm here to worship. To not be a taker, but to be a praiser, one who praises and adores you, forgiven so abundantly. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for, again, a, a standard that our world has abandoned in, in large form, but a standard that brings us back to right living, to right loving, to loving you, your special day, 
your special time, your special worship, to loving one another, to not despising and taking and putting down one another, but using resources to build up our brothers and sisters and those around us. Forgive us for the times, the days, the lifestyle of being a thief, of wanting to just be a taker and get for ourselves. Father, restore us to being the children of God, great stewards of the God who has it all, realizing we will never lack, we will never go wanting. We will always be held by you and always have sufficient supply. Find us to be content and always praising you for your grace, your mercy, your gifts to us. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.